Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Pistons fans, welcome to this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, episode number 23. It's our Jordan episode right here on Palace of Pistons. This is the now official crew of the Palace of Pistons podcast. My name is Brendan Johnson. I am your host, and I'm joined by both Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay. You've heard them the last couple of weeks. Guys transitioning into a full role. This is us, the new Palace of Pistons podcast crew. We've got some house cleaning stuff before we get into an episode where we're going to talk a lot about the NBA in terms of maybe some of the top players in the East. We're talking about Glenn Robinson the third. We're talking about Blake Griffin and more. But before we get into that, Aaron, I know you got some house cleaning objects. Right. And uh, first off, thanks everyone for tuning in again to this week's episode. Just to set the table here for what we're going to be expecting for the Palace of Pistons podcast down the line. Like Brennan said, this is the official crew. Brennan is going to be hosting the show. Ryan and I will be the debaters of the show. Brennan will obviously join in on the discussion as well. Uh, Mike Anguiano, who co-hosted with me over the years here for the podcast, is going to transition into a writing role, which you guys will see his debut piece here very shortly on the Palace of Pistons website, palaceofpistons.com. Uh, but he's got some good stuff planned on the writing side. We're going to handle the duties on the Mike Talking Pistons. And Mike's going to go into writing more than just about the Pistons. He's going to be writing about the NBA in general, the Eastern Conference. You'll see that very soon on the website. Um, but that's really all the house cleaning that we have. Brendan, I guess, welcome to the show in your f- full-time role. Ryan's here, and we debuted with him a few weeks back, and this is setting up to be uh, really some good stuff. But you know, none of this is official until we get the on-air approval from Ryan Pay that I could take over as the host of the Palace Pistons podcast. Brendan, my friend, I just want to say I'm glad you're here. I'm ready to work with you full-time. Let's rock and roll, baby. Well, we got three of us here. We're going to talk first about the Eastern Conference. LeBron James, everybody knows, now out in L.A. living the Los Angeles lifestyle West Coast. So that opens up some conversation in the Eastern Conference of who is the best player in the East. Now, Kawhi Leonard joins the Toronto Raptors. You may hear his name. But there's still some solid players in the Eastern Conference despite there being the magnitude of stars in the West. So... Aaron got to do the house cleaning first. Ryan, we're going to turn it your way to start. Looking at the Eastern Conference, right, without LeBron James, does Kawhi Leonard take over as the best player in the East, not knowing his full health, or is there somebody else that you would rank higher than Kawhi? Uh, There is somebody else, and that would be Blake Griffin. I'm just kidding, Brendan. Uh, I do agree that it is Kawhi Leonard. Now, of course, we don't know his health, but if healthy, Kawhi is a top three player in the entire league. Not just the East. As we've been discussing quite extensively last week, he is a top-notch shooter. The best defender in the league, in my opinion. Uh, He can handle the ball. He does everything. He's a great all-around player. Um, I think he's going to fit well with Toronto. 
And it's just going to show out even more how great of a player he is. Now that he's actually going to be in the right state of mind. He's out of San Antonio where he was unhappy. Um, now, like I said, we don't know how happy he is in Toronto. He might just be putting on a show right now. But this is a guy who's a top three player in the league when healthy. There's no doubt in my mind it's Kawhi Leonard. I think that, and Kawhi Leonard has a very good case if he is healthy. I mean, I said it last week. He's an MVP candidate when he is. But one guy that I think is right there with him is, and every time I do it, I butcher his last name, but it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is... Antetokounmpo? Antetokounmpo. Oh, my goodness. Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Remember when we were younger and you would do, like, phonics and grammar in school? I I think they don't do do that anymore. No. I think that would help you out quite a bit, buddy. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to say Giannis, all right? (laughs) Giannis is going to be 24 years old, by the way. Giannis? No. Hard G. (laughs) Hard G. No, Giannis. Giannis. I know that part, guys. Giannis right now is just 23 years old. He's going to be 24. And last season averaged 27 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 5 assists, and a steal and a half and a block and a half per game. Giannis was one of only, I believe, four players in the league to average a steal and a half and a block and a half per game. And offensively, he is unstoppable when he is attacking the basket, when he's inside. Obviously, the three-point shot is still an area that he has to develop for him to take that even next step in his career. And and I think if he does that, we could be talking about him being the best player in the game. But just with what he can do right now, the gravity he has on the court on both sides of the floor, like Kawhi Leonard, he is a top two-way player in the league. And what I think will take him to that next level in his career will be the Bucks' new head coach, Mike Budenholzer. This, this is a coach that has worked with players in the past such as Al Horford and Paul Millsap and has elevated their careers. Paul Millsap came to the Hawks from the Utah Jazz and no one really thought of him as this guy that had this all-star, perennial all-star future in the NBA. And now Paul Millsap, an offseason or two ago, signed a huge extension, or not an extension, but a huge contract with the Denver Nuggets after being an all-star for multiple seasons with the Atlanta Hawks, and I think Mike Budenholzer is going to not only help the Bucks as a team, but take Giannis to that next level himself, and I'm really excited to see that, and I think that's why he gives Kawhi Leonard a run for his money. Aaron, I agree with you that Giannis is on the fast track to becoming the best player in the league, without a doubt. The league will be his, and he will reign over it for years. But it, I know there's a huge caveat with the but, but before Kawhi Leonard got hurt, by uh, current Detroit Pistons Zaza Pachulia, he was he was on his way to taking the Golden State Warriors out. That's how good of a player he is by himself. I think, you can't forget that, right? And I think that's I think that's a fair point. But like, look at he Giannis's was on his LeBron age. game. Sure, but look at Giannis's age. He's just twenty three. Like he's not even at his prime. Oh, he's yet. not at all. But he's getting he's closer not. and closer. And I think when you when, add the factor of Buddha when Holzer, he hits his prime, yes, I think he's going to become the. Best player in the league by far. He is going to be head and shoulders above everyone. But currently, this season, the best player in the East, if healthy, will be Kawhi Leonard. I'm excited to see what Budenholzer can do with Giannis. I think there's some potential that he can push Kawhi in that stance. And honestly, I think that that matchup, we're going to see that four times a year. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. That's going to be so much fun. And I hope that we go back to this segment after we see that a couple times. Because that's going to be a really good matchup. And Brendan, I'll let you chime in here. Well, first of all... 
you bring up the Milwaukee Bucks, and all I can do is hit my snooze button. Okay? Snooze fest. That's why Giannis is not yet my best player in the East. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a top three, top five player in the East, no doubt. This guy has the potential to be one of the top three, top five guys in the NBA. But he can't stretch the floor. The guy drives to the basket. That's all he can do. He's the Greek freak. I got a lot of respect for the guy. But he is legitimately a zero threat outside the arc. A zero threat. So, when you only have to guard the guy for his mid-range catch-and-shoots or drives to the basket, him not being able to provide that three-point opportunity for me gives me a really hard time to make him the best player in the East. Now, looking at Ryan's argument of Kawhi Leonard, if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, yes, he's the best player in the East. Without a doubt, you could have argued he was one of the top three players in the West, some could on maybe on a limb argue he's the best overall player because of how good he is both ways in the NBA. Well, well, Kevin Kevin Durant didn't die. I mean, Kevin Durant is a very good two-way player in his own Better right. two-way player than Kawhi Leonard? I think his offensive impact is just as good as Kawhi Leonard's defensive impact. But I think Kawhi... So you take KD's offense marginalize it a little bit ahead of Kawhi's defense. But Kawhi, I think, gives you more than offensively than KD's defense. See what I'm saying? No, I disagree. I think KD's an all-NBA level defender. When KD's head's in the game on defense, like he wants to be, he's determined to be a good defender. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But anyways, to round up that point. Yeah, bring it back. With the uncertainty of Kawhi, and the inability to stretch the floor out of Giannis, right now, the best player in the Eastern Conference is Zaza Pachulia. I'm kidding. He just knows how to injure guys at Kawhi Leonard. But more importantly, it's still Kyrie Irving. Go home. NBA Go champion. Home. Clutch factors. It's home. Kyrie Irving. So first off, first off, Kyrie Irving was never the best player in the East, and I was saying he still is. No, like, okay, okay, LeBron, LeBron didn't leave. LeBron has been in LeBron the LeBron has been in the East for like the last his whole, whole career. career. <laughs> okay, it's Kyrie Irving right now. It's Kyrie. Okay, explain, Irving. explain that. Kyrie Irving, NBA champion. You you look at Kyrie Irving in the NBA Finals a couple years ago, and the way he took over. The clutch factor in the fourth quarter. The dagger shot that everybody will remember. The three that gave Cleveland the championship. Kyrie's ability to score the ball. And I still think he can be the lead guy in Boston. Now, if if Kawhi comes back healthy, then I'm not going to argue Kyrie over Kawhi. But with the uncertainty of Kawhi, I'm taking Kyrie over Giannis, if that's what it comes down to. Look, look. Kyrie is a great player. There's no question about that. I'm not going to argue against Kyrie being a very good basketball player. Best point guard in the East. Best point guard in the East. That's fair. But to say he's ahead of Giannis, to say he's ahead of, I don't know, I don't know who else. I, I Maybe he's the third best because the East is pretty slim. But I think Kyrie's in that talking of your Joel Embiid's, your Blake Griffin's. They're good. They're good players in the East. But they're not the best. And I think that the the difference between Kawhi and Giannis and Kyrie Irving, 
I think the first two to the latter is pretty substantial. Listen, Kyrie has a higher two-point shooting percentage, higher three-point shooting percentage, averages just a few points less per game, but distributes the ball better, uh, and he's a clutch factor. He's a clutch factor. Giannis is a freak athlete. Giannis can get to the rim better than anybody in the Eastern Conference. I'm not going to argue you that. But from shooting in, uh, both from the two and the three, Kyrie's better. Kyrie distributes the ball. What I, I, I Greek freak, no doubt about it. He's an athlete. He's a great player. But if I'm taking Kyrie or Giannis, and this isn't to build a team, this is for one season, I'm taking Kyrie Irving. Get out of here! I think that when you look at Kawhi, when you look at Giannis, and then you look at Kyrie, I think there's a very large gap between the first two and the latter. And that's because Kyrie may be a more efficient scorer. And that's that's true. He is. But Giannis is a better all-around player. He is an elite two-way player. On both sides of the ball, he's one of the best in the game. He impacts his team more than Kyrie Irving will. He averages more points. He averages just .3 less assists per game. And he's not the point guard. He averages But he's a point rebounds. forward. Everything goes through Giannis. That's not Well, they have Eric Bledsoe that's handling the ball a fair amount. But everything goes through Giannis. We'll, we'll disagree there. I think Giannis handles the ball a lot. And a lot goes through, obviously, Giannis. But when you have Chris Middleton, who also is an above-average distributor for his position, there's a lot more guys you know, distributing the ball than Kyrie. Kyrie's got a lot of scores on his ball club, Jason Tatum. I know we didn't get to see a ton of Gordon Hayward last year. We only got to see, like, what, 10 minutes? But my point is, Giannis impacts the game in more ways than Kyrie Irving does on both sides of the floor. And if you ask any GM in the league who they want to build their team around, they're saying Giannis. Well, again, that's not, I didn't. I said, it, not talking about building a team, talking about having them for one season, one season only, so don't misquote. But the only thing oh. I'll leave with before we wow, move on. Wow, that's some heat. Before we move on, there is one number that has consistently improved, or I should say increased for Giannis during his tenure in the NBA. That's stat, turnovers per game. Now we move into Arnie Cantor. You want to talk about an impact on the game. The former head athletic trainer in the early 2000s championship run for the Detroit Pistons. He's back in an advisory role, and that's huge. Anytime you can bring a guy back that had such a large impact on the health and wellness of Detroit Pistons players to be back in the organization, Aaron, that's going to have such a heavy impact. Arnie Cantor is a legend in Detroit. He was a great head strength and conditioning leader in the early 2000s during the going-to-work era. And for a Detroit team that just re-signed and renegotiated contracts with their training staff after a season where their starting point guard missed a large amount of games and their star power forward missed nine or so games with the Pistons after only being there after the All-Star break... um, Avery Bradley dealed with a major groin issue when he was in Detroit. He missed time. Stanley Johnson had on and off back issues all season, derailing any chance he had of putting together a complete third season in the league. I Well, I don't know why Detroit, first off, re-signed that staff because there was no business doing that, and I don't think anyone was thinking that was going to happen. 
I think everyone thought John Ishup and the rest of the training staff was out the door. But Arnie Canner brings a sliver of hope into that side of the organization because of his resume as one of the best training training coaches in the league over the history. So this is a huge win for Detroit, and I know this was reported by Vincent Ellis of the Detroit Free Press. He says it's an advisory role, but there's still a chance that it becomes a permanent role as the team figures everything out and reorganizes the, the front office and the rest of the organization. So uh, high hopes with this move, and it's pretty crazy that we're sitting here talking about how huge signing an athletic trainer is. Aaron, you pr- I mean, you pretty much said it all. I mean, I don't, I really can't add much more except for how great is it that Arnie Kander's back? How, how happy? I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Like you were talking about all the injuries we seen, we saw last year with this Pistons squad. This is a guy who's definitely going to help alleviate all these issues. Sure, players get injured, but just look at his track record, like you were saying. I'm so happy he's back in town. Good move for the Pistons. Good to see Arnie back. And again, you know, one point I'll make here quick. You mentioned the training staff before and part of them getting signed back. Yes, some guys dealt with some injuries. That is at times out of the control of the training staff and the wellness staff. And if the players have a good relationship with those staff members and they feel comfortable being trained and going through recovery process with them, the players could have had an heavy, a heavy impact in that. And now bringing in Arnie Kander allows him to give some insight and some guidance to the training staff that even if they're legit, they're good. Obviously, they're a good training staff if they're working in the NBA. But Arnie Kander can help take them to the next level and provide that next level insight, which I think will be really good for the Detroit Pistons. Oh, absolutely, Brendan. Absolutely. Well, another thing that's good for the Detroit Pistons is they were able to add some depth to the wing position, okay? And before we discuss that, Ryan, how much a profe- how much of a professional right here is this guy, Aaron Johnson? Aaron is quite the professional. You know, always professional. If he didn't get a chance, there's a piece on the Palace of Pistons website that discusses an exclusive interview with Aaron and Glenn Robinson the third. Fantastic piece, by the way. Thank and you. in the first line starts at twelve oh one AM. Glenn Robinson gets a call from Dwayne Casey. Now, folks, if you pay attention to detail, I want you to go back and look and see what time that article was posted. 12.01 p.m. Just a little bit of What a guy. What a guy. What professionalism. So I love it. I just That's want what I'm here for. I just want the Pistons nation to understand and appreciate the attention to detail by this gentleman. The attention to detail. Good job, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you, boys. I Pat on the back. It. Clap a little round of applause for him. There we go. A little golf clap. A little golf clap, right? But now let's move into it. Glenn Robinson the third, signs with the Detroit Pistons. Aaron had a wonderful piece out, had an opportunity to talk to him. And we're going to talk about what that means for Glenn and, and his role for the Pistons. But Aaron, just tell us about that conversation, what Glenn Robinson the third had to say, and some highlights from that piece. Well, well, Glenn gave off a really positive vibe, and I want to give uh, a quick thank you to his agent, Jelani Floyd, for helping us set up that entire conversation. But Glenn gave some really positive vibes on uh, the outlook for himself and his future with the Pistons and the upcoming season in Detroit. Um, 
he mentioned that this entire team really feels like they got a shot to do some damage this year. And uh, he mentioned, and one word that really stood out to me um, when he started talking about the team getting ready to play, getting ready to compete, was that they were anxious. Like they want to go out there and, and they want to, you know, they want they want to start playing these games. And um, they've been working out in Las Vegas when uh, those free agency signings started to roll in. They were out during summer league. Blake Griffin was leading those team workouts. There was Andre Drummond there. Glenn Robinson was there as well. Reggie Jackson was in attendance. Um, and between Summer League and guys on the roster, Detroit had, I believe, 13 of their 15 guys out in Las Vegas during that Summer League time working. And I think the only two guys absent were Jose Calderon and Zaza Patrulia, whose deals were not officially announced. Um, and I believe John Luer may have been whistling as well. But a lot of guys out there, they've already begun working. They've already begun working as a team. And he says that they really think that they're able to compete, that they think they're in a position with Blake and Andre and the supporting cast, the guard rotation. They think there's just so much talent there that they can really do some damage. I sure hope so, Aaron. I love the, I love the fact that they've been out together in Las Vegas. Uh, working, building that team chemistry. That's so important. Uh, bringing in a new guy who's going to be big in the rotation, Glenn Robinson. He, Like he said in your article, he's going to be fighting for that starting spot over Stanley and, Johnson. And he told me he thinks he's gonna, he can get it too. Like I think said, he can too. I've told you I think he can. He had, he had a lot of good things to say about Dwayne Casey too. And I, I want to mention this really quick. We don't have to go into it deeply. But I know Detroit isn't a free agency destination, but... The way that Glenn Robinson talked about Dwayne Casey, I think he's a guy that could really make a difference in free agency in free agency talks. But uh, the way Glenn spoke about Casey and, and the opportunity that he has, um, it sounds like there is really a, a real shot for him to compete for that starting spot. And I think the guard spot, the, the shooting guard spot as well between Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock is going to be an open competition as well. But uh, Glenn Robinson's a guy that will contribute to this team. He spreads the floor. He's really athletic. He can defend as well. can play multiple positions. And really looks like a home run signing for Detroit. Oh, absolutely. With, uh, with the way the cap was, how they were strapped, to be able to go get a guy like Glenn, that's fantastic. We, we talked about that earlier on an earlier podcast. And like I said, I think he's going to battle Stanley Johnson hard for that starting spot. Don't get me wrong. I hope nothing but the best for Stanley. I want to see him be that guy that we were hoping for when we drafted him. But like we were talking about the inconsistency with Stanley. Glenn's going to come in hot. You know he's got something to prove coming off his injury-ridden season. He's gonna, And you said he loves working with Dwayne Casey. That's going to be so big for him, taking that step forward. And one thing that I don't think got extremely highlighted in my piece, and this was something that Glenn stressed me multiple times, is that he he was injured last year, and he was really ready to, to showcase what he could do. And he thinks that after not seeing the floor a lot in his last two seasons, people are going to be surprised by the improvements he's made to his game. So just keep that in mind. You heard that here first. If Glenn Robinson is going to break it breaks out this upcoming season, he told me, he told us on PalaceofPistons.com, and, and that's why you're here. Well, we talk about now another forward. So we talked about Glenn, who's going to compete for that small forward spot. This guy... Well, I don't think he has to compete with Henry Ellenson for the starting power forward oh spot, but I know Ryan's Jesus. favorite point forward is Henry Ellenson, so Dwayne Casey, maybe Ryan will give you some beef on that. But Blake Griffin. Yeah, how's that KG work going? Yeah, we'll find <laughs> out, right? We'll find out real soon. Um, Blake Griffin. 
we could talk about a lot of different avenues. Will he stay healthy? How good will he be? Is he in the conversation still in top five players in the East? But let's let's look at it in this direction. What does Blake Griffin have to do? How well does he have to play for the Pistons to find a way into the playoffs? And I don't mean backdoor eighth seed in the final week of the regular season. I mean secure a playoff spot, clinch it in the last week or two of the regular season. They're in. They're going to the playoffs. What does Blake have to do to help get them there, Ryan? For the Pistons to be what they believe they can be and what they're talking about this offseason, a top seed, not the first or second seed, but one of the better seeds in the East, Blake Griffin needs to play 70 games at least this season. He needs to average around 22, 23 points, I'd say 9 to 10 boards, and probably 5 to 6 assists, because let's face it, he's going to be playing point forward. I understand Reggie Jackson is the type of point guard who needs the ball in his hands, and uh, they're going to roll with that. But we saw it last year. Even though it was under Stan Van, you'll see it, I'm sure you'll see it the same way with Dwayne Casey. Blake is going to play some point forward. And he he's, honestly, when you run the offense through him and he's clicking, that offense can really get going. Blake needs to be, he needs to be in attack mode all year. Not tentative, not worried about, hey, is this guy going to get his touches? Is this guy going to get his touches? If Blake Griffin is still a superstar, which he was early on in L.A., then that, that has to be his mentality. And that needs to be the role he plays. That point forward, flow the offense through him, not Andre. And he needs to be putting up 23-10 and 10 and 5-6 and 6 for this team to do it. This team goes as Blake Griffin goes. Yeah, and Dwayne Casey has made it clear that Blake Griffin's going to handle the ball a lot. I was reading a piece um, on Vice Sports about Dwayne Casey's envisionment for Blake Griffin and Casey said that Griffin can be the best passing forward in the league, uh, the best passing big man in the league. I feel like we saw some of that last year. We did. In, in, in bursts, we saw what Blake Griffin could do with the ball in his hands. And one thing that worries me is you said Blake Griffin has to play 70 games. He has not played 70 games since the 2013-2014 season. Exactly. He's come close. In the 2014-2015 season when he played 67 games. But last year he only played 58 games. You have to hope that our god Arnie Kander can can pull through here and keep him healthy. Um, But as long as Blake Griffin can play 60-65, I think Detroit can push for home court advantage in the playoffs. You need him. I I don't even know. I don't know if that's enough. That's a 60-65? Henry Ellenson starting at power forward for 17 to. 25 games or so? John Lure. 23? John Lure, your phone's ringing. John Lure, John Lure get on your the court. Ringing. Where you at, John? You're, we're blowing up your phone. <laughs> but snooze. seriously, that is, that is a stretch. Blake needs to be on the court. This is his team. It is. No, and I understand that, but I think Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are enough to keep this team clicking with Blake Griffin out. I think in years past... Those two have played well enough together that this team, when healthy, even without Blake, can be a 500 ball club. And in reality, if they have to go 20 games, not even 20 games, if they have to, well, I guess 20 games. Let's say they have to go 20 games without Blake Griffin. If this team can go 10 and 10 in that stretch, I think they'll be fine. 
I think Reggie Jackson is good enough, and I think Andre Drummond's going to take another step forward this year to where they'll have enough talent besides those two guys to where they can at least be a 500 ball club. But Blake Griffin has to be a more consistent shooter, and I know we saw that last season, and I think that will get better. I think that's a pretty much a guarantee that Blake's going to take another step forward shooting the ball because that's kind of where his game's at now. It is, and that's where his game's going, and he knows that. And he's been in the gym. He said he's been in the gym all summer. So like, he's not taking time off. We should see those type of improvements in his game. Now that he's transitioned to more of an outside game, to where he's not dunking the ball, that three-point shot should be more efficient. He should be able to handle the ball and not turn it over. But I think Blake averaging, you know, 22, six or seven rebounds because Andre's going to do his thing. As long as he can average six or seven assists, I think that's very capable of him being able to do that. And if he's able to shoot, better than the 34.8% he shot at Troy. Let's say he gets that up to 38%. I think that's pretty darn good. And I think that'll be enough with him leading the way and the supporting cast around him that Detroit's a playoff team and, and they can really compete. Not be an eight seed, but I think they can really compete for home court advantage. I think it'll be really interesting to see the way Dwayne Casey handles this whole team because he has a very interesting dynamic. He has a team that you need to have outside shooters and they've got inconsistent outside shooting at best. Um, it'll be interesting to see finding a balance of Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock in that two spot. Do they go a little small ball with both Bullock and Kennard on the floor at the same time? Does Glenn Robinson stay healthy? But at the end of the day, Blake Griffin, Ryan, you said it. He was a superstar early in his career in L.A. And for the Pistons to have a secure playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, he is going to have to be a superstar. He's going to have to be. Now, he doesn't have to go out and put up LeBron James-like numbers. Oh, absolutely not. But he has to be a leader. And on top of that, he is going to need more support from his outside shooting. Because when they have to sag off to prevent outside shooting, that you know, kick-out passes, that's going to give Blake more driving lanes. That's going to allow him to get to the free-throw line. So the teams are going to stay back with the expectation for him to drive. He's going to find himself being able to shoot the ball. And now you can also run some pick-and-roll stuff with Blake and Reggie as well as Andre and Reggie. And Blake could even be more of a pick-and-pop kind of role to give you some more dynamics on offense as well. Let's see some Blake and Andre pick-and-roll. That's and what I was too. just about to say. Yeah. The Blake and Andre pick-and-roll could be deadly. But one question I had is we were talking about the injury bug with Blake Griffin, which is huge. How does Dwayne Casey counteract that early on in the year? Are we looking at some, not overly limited minutes, but are we looking at a limited minutes early on in the season, trying to keep Blake fresh? How do you think he handles this? I think that's interesting because, and I don't really know Dwayne Casey's track record on how much he really plays his guys, but one point I wanted to bring up that can kind of help this point is I think we're going to see some Stanley Johnson at power forward. I th- yeah, I, I think, think Glenn by, and Stanley will be. I think by just... It has to happen because we don't have anyone behind Blake Griffin. Stanley Johnson, retroactively, is going to play some power forward. And the nice thing about that is Stanley Johnson has the body to do that. He might only be 6'7", but he can bang with guys. He's 245 and he's all muscle. That is a strong, strong man. He can definitely hang with with the best in the post. Yes. Strength-wise. I think... We'll definitely see some Stanley at small forward. I think, I mean, power forward. And I think that could lead to some small ball lineups with Detroit. And that really excites me because we did not Even see that Even where Blake with is the center. Yes. 
I love the idea of that. I think there's so many options fantastic. in that area. And that way... That's that's where the signing of Glenn Robinson is awesome. You want to maximize your shooting, you can have Reggie, Luke, Bullock, Stanley, and Blake, or you can have Glenn Robinson at the four. I think there's small ball combinations that maximize shooting that can make this team really interesting. And I know that Dwayne Casey will use those type of lineups as to where Stan Van Gundy would, would always have a traditional center on the court. It'll be interesting to see what Dwayne does and... I guess all we can do at this point is is hope that preseason, regular season gets here as soon as possible so we're able to get a first-hand view of what the Pistons will look like for the 2018-2019 edition. That's going to do it for this week's episode here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. But before we let you go, a couple of house cleaning. Number one, subscribe, rate, Give us a review on iTunes. Please do. Let your friends know. Get the word out there. Visit our website, palaceofpistons.com. Check out that Glenn Robinson III um, exclusive with Aaron. It's the real deal. It's a great piece. Aaron did a great job with that. Take time to give it a read. You'd be doing yourself a disservice if you don't. Uh, follow the guys on Twitter. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You can follow Ryan at pay underscore Ryan. Or you can follow Palace of Pistons at Palace of Pistons or on Instagram at Palace of Pistons. And guys, let us know what you want to hear on the pod. We're open to hearing suggestions on topics, things you want to hear, the debate maybe these guys could have as well. So give us some feedback. Again, mentions on iTunes, tweet at us at Palace of Pistons or hit these guys up as well. We appreciate you tuning in to our Jordan episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.